have you ever used uh, a window to get into a structure or, or a vehicle? Uh, perhaps maybe in an emergency you get locked out of your house or you get locked out of something. Uh, there, there was one time when we were living in Buenos Aires, Catherine and I were downtown and we were getting ready to take the train back to our home. It was about an hour train ride. It was an old train, diesel. So we are at the Constitution train station. Over a million people go through this train station every single day. At least they did when we were there. And so we had our place picked out among this mass of individuals, uh, this mass of people, and we were pretty clear on where the train should stop and then we would be right at the door to get in. Well, because it was an imperfect train system, uh, it went further and then all of a sudden we're at the windows. We're not near the door and the rush of people begin to get onto the doors. So I looked at Catherine, I give her my hands, I say, Catherine, if you're going to get on this, uh, on this train, we, you better jump up. And so I gave her a boost and she in through the window she went and a couple other people lent a hand <laughs> and she got on and there was this uh, applause and then I was able to, to manage to get my way onto the train and then uh, be seated next to her because if you couldn't get on, then you'd be hanging out the door or uh, you wouldn't even make it on that particular train trip. Well. Those are unusual circumstances. Typically, uh, someone comes in their home through the front door, they yell out a greeting, the people inside recognize their voice, and then everything is good. If you were at home and you heard someone coming in through a window, I can pretty much guarantee you'd be calling 911 and, uh, and then asking questions later. Well, our, our text today is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And in this text, Jesus is going to talk about how he is recognized by his voice, by how the, the sheep, the ones who follow him, recognize him by his voice. This text also records one of the seven I am's in the Gospel of John. Now, this isn't one of the big ones. I, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection, uh, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, this is a little bit less Immediately following the reading of our text in verse 11, we have another big one. I am the good shepherd. So, so let's read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and, uh, and, and discover what this, and I say lesser uh, in, in quotation marks, uh, what this lesser of the I am's was. John chapter 10, verse 1. I, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate or the door for the sheep pen. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate or the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He who comes in and go, he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. You know, if you've ever seen a picture 
uh, an artist's rendition of John chapter 10. It's probably going to look something like a very a lot of pastel colors. Uh, Jesus um, holding a lamb very tranquilly in his arms, uh, a baby lamb, and uh, and he'll be smiling, and it's just a very calm and serene kind of uh, uh, picture. That's far from what was happening actually in the text. In John chapter 9, Jesus had just healed a blind man, a man who had been born blind. And the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders were going at Jesus and going at this man and even went after his family because Jesus was doing something that wasn't, in their eyes, wasn't proper. And they were trying to undermine his authority and they were asking, who are you and what gives you the right to do something like this on the Sabbath? And what gives you the right and by what authority are you acting in this way? And so as a response to that antagonistic attack by the Pharisees, Jesus tells this parable about the shepherd, his sheep, and how he himself is the gate to the sheep pen. In ancient times, it was common when the shepherds would bring their flocks in from grazing that they would share a, a, a pen with numerous different flocks together because they were larger, they could keep them in a safe place, and then in the morning when the shepherd would come, he would whistle his special whistle, call out the names of his sheep, and then they would follow him once they got outside the door. And each shepherd, each sheep would go to his appropriate shepherd. And then they would go out to their different kinds of fields. The sheep and the shepherd had a relationship. Uh, uh, it was one that was built over time, over years of, of trust and faith. Uh, the sheep would never follow the voice of a stranger, much like we would recoil if someone we don't know asks us uh, uh, a favor or asks us uh, uh, to come into our home. We would be cautious because we're really not sure who exactly this is. It seems pretty simple, but the Pharisees didn't get it. And so Jesus goes one step further to say, he is the door. He is the gate. He is the one through whom people get to the abundant life. He is the one through whom all the goodness of God is waiting. I have two main thoughts about this idea of Jesus as the gate. The first, that the gate was to provide security uh, for the sheep by keeping all of the dangerous elements outside. The second, the gate allowed the sheep to go out to find uh, the green grass in the pasture that would nourish and sustain them. They would come in for protection and they would go out for provision. So the first point, Jesus keeps us safe by shutting the door on what creates and causes harm. He says very clearly that the evil one wants to steal, kill, and destroy all that we have in Jesus. Sometimes the evil one will do it by, by confusing us with wrong teaching or, or unhealthy leadership or, or perhaps harmful practices. And you know, in today's world, it's just hard to know who to trust. I mean, anybody can put up a YouTube video and anyone can put up a website and it sounds like they're telling the truth. I mean, we have experts who are telling us what to do and what we shouldn't do. And even they, sometimes as the data comes in, give us mixed messages. Do you remember back when this started weeks and weeks ago that they told us don't wear masks? Because, uh, because you're going to uh, infect yourself even worse. 
And now the teaching and the law in many places is you have to wear a mask. And so it's, it's kind of hard to know. Um, on top of all that, we are now, we, we all feel like we're experts. And we can see a doctor or a scientist or someone on, 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 on TV or on the news, eh, I don't believe him, I don't, I, I don't, I don't trust what he says. And, and, and uh, it, it kind of reminds me of that, uh, uh, that, that Google, uh, that, uh, um, uh, uh, those mugs that say, please don't confuse your Google search with my medical degree or my nursing degree. It's like, you know, I can go on Google and I can read something and that makes me an expert. And this guy that's been, or this lady, this person who's been through years and years of study and, and preparation and, and, and practice is telling me something and I'll say, nah, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. You don't really know what you're talking about. So, so how can we tell if it's really Jesus? How can we recognize his voice? Well, I, I think at the bottom and baseline of everything that we're doing at the core, Jesus is known by his voice, by what he says, and by his actions that back up what he says. How can we know that we're hearing God's voice, how we're hearing Jesus's voice? I would say, keep reading and read widely. Read all of scripture, not just a few sections. Uh, read all the books in the Bible, not just the ones that we're used to and comfortable with. Because the God, Word of God doesn't change, but our translations do and our understanding does. I mean, and, and you've heard this before and you've thought about it before. At one point, Bible-believing Christians, with all of their heart, believed that the Bible promoted, advocated, and encouraged slavery. It also encouraged the mistreatment of women by treating them as second-class citizens. Today, we would recognize those interpretations and those understandings were not correct. In 100 years, in 500 years, it, it'll be interesting to see. I won't be around to see it. It'll be interesting to see what we believe now with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they will look back at us and think, wow, how could they have missed the boat so much on these basic things? And, and so we, we get stuck into believing what we've been taught, and we stick to that, and then we don't go any for, further. And so the way to make sure we're hearing God's voice for us today is to keep reading, keep reading, and keep reading. I, I remember once after I was converted, I, I, I had been taught what I was supposed to believe because I didn't know anything about church or Christianity or Jesus. And then I heard someone say, well, this is the correct understanding of that. And I thought, well, that can't be right because that's what this other group believes. And surely we can't believe what they believe. And as it turns out, we can. Uh, we have a lot of beliefs that we share in common with other religious groups. And so how do I recognize the voice of the Savior? By reading, by comparing, and by staying true to his word. But there's another way the evil one kind of does us damage. And that's by, and Jesus, I think, shuts the door on this, but we open it is by shutting the door on our past. We all have regrets. We all have things that we've done that we aren't proud of and that we actually feel a lot of shame about. And the evil one wants us to wallow in that painful past. He wants to rob us of the security that comes from being in Jesus' Jesus's embrace. The evil one wants us to wake up every morning not knowing whether God still loves us. 
not knowing whether God still accepts us, not knowing whether we're really his children. So let me tell you an easy way to know if God still loves you. Every morning when you wake up, look outside your window, and if it's light, that means that God still loves you. That means this day, his grace and his mercy is being renewed to you. This means that he has chosen to give you another day to enjoy his, his provision, his goodness, and his mercy. Now, even on a cloudy day, you, you can tell the difference between night and day. Uh, you can tell when the sun is up. And so that's the most surefire way I know that Scripture tells us how we can know that God still loves us. It's because he has given us one more day to live. Now, that doesn't mean that God approves of everything we do. His love never stops. But his approval depends on our decision to repent, to change our ways, and turn towards him. And so that is an ongoing uh, 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 practice, and that's an ongoing discipline to analyze our life, think through it, repent, and then move towards him. Uh, that message he proclaims with love and compassion, not with hatred or bitterness. The, the second big thing, in addition to uh, um, God and Jesus opening the door to let us into a place of security so that he can protect us from the dangers that lurk outside, the second is that he opens the gate so that we can go out and we can find the abundant life and the nourishment, the provision that we need. It's kind of interesting that the pastures, the place where we get fed, are outside the sheep pen. I, I want to think that inside the sheep pen where it's safe and secure is where God feeds and nurtures and gives me everything I need. But, but the text says actually quite the opposite. I come in to be secure and to be safe, but then I go out into the pastures to receive the nourishment and the nutrition I get. So what does the abundant life look like? I'm sure you've heard about uh, uh, what an abundant life could look like. The rich and famous, those that have everything. But, but let me be clear, Jesus himself said that uh, uh, life um, does not consist of the abundance of possessions in Luke 15. Having a lot of things does not mean abundance of life. Abundance of life refers to different kinds of characteristics and qualities. So let me just mention a couple places where this idea of what God gives us, he gives us abundantly show up in Scripture. In Romans 5, sin increases, but God gives us an abundance of grace to counteract every sin and every evil deed that we do. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says that God gives us an increase and in abundance and love for one another. 2 Corinthians 9.8, God is able to bless us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, we will abound in every good work. We are to experience an abundance of the work of the Lord. Therefore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.58, Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. There is an abundance of hope through Jesus in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound. And the idea of abound is overflowing, filled to overflowing. And then the one last one is in 2 Corinthians 1, 5, where we see something that sometimes we don't want, but we're experiencing right now, an abundance of suffering 
But with the abundance of suffering comes an abundance of comfort and consolation. So the abundant life that Jesus offers us and leads us to does not mean that we get a lot of stuff. It means that we receive God's grace and mercy commensurate to our own sins and shortcomings, and we also receive the strength to be able to bless those around us. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the door to eternal life. You know, sometimes people will try and get into that sheepfold, into that eternal life by their own merit, by their own actions, whether they be religious, charitable. If I give enough money to the church, then God's going to let me in. Uh, Jesus suggests it's really not about that. Some people try to enter into the sheepfold by their heritage, by who they used to be or what family they were born into, and if you will, by their own blood. We are sons of Abraham. We are sons of Moses. And God says, I want people of faith. The only way to enter into the sheepfold, the only way to enjoy the eternal life and the abundant life that Jesus offers is to enter through the door, through Jesus, through that gate, by blood and by water, by his blood and through our baptism in water. And then we can enjoy not only the security and the protection that Jesus offers, but we can also enjoy the abundant life. Thank you for tuning in and following along in this lesson. I, we do pray for you. We go back over the list of all that have connected. And right now, uh, our brother Cheryl Hudson is here, one of our elders, and he's going to pray through some of the requests that we have. And then we'll, uh, we'll conclude our assembly with, with a song. So God bless you. Uh, God bless your sheltering in place, and God give you the peace and the, the mercy that we all need. Thank you.